Just one question real quick is, do you want to be a vibrant church? I mean, a church that is on fire for the Lord. Good, we're awake this morning. I think the cold kind of helped that. In preparing this week, and I just kept coming back and back to when I was in Michigan interning, and I had the first opportunity to uh, to preach. And so here I am building into middle school students and, and loving uh, the relationships that are being built and the work God's doing along that. And then I, I get an opportunity to speak to a congregation. It's my home church, about 400, 500 people, and I get an opportunity to speak God's Word. Uh, to be honest with you, a few Jesus phrases kept popping up in my mind. You know, not the ones that should have been, like, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. No one's like, a prophet's not accepted in his hometown. Right? I'm not calling myself a prophet, but those what kept popping up is, hey, these guys remember me burning out in the church parking lot. Okay, They, they remember me as a middle schooler, as a high schooler growing up. They know me. And as I'm, I'm thinking about this and just de- diving into God's Word and just crying out for His assistance, He just gave me such a peace. That's only through His grace. And, and I know I was basking, I was soaking in this grace. And, and then it came. One of my youth leaders that we were working with, and I'm, I'm sure it was well-intentioned, Maybe they had seen me struggling earlier in the week and were trying to comfort me, but this is the comment they made. They made this comment. We should hold up signs and be a little cheer section for you. My initial thoughts was heartbreak. A cheer section for the preaching of God's Word? It has nothing to do with me or my giftedness. But I think so many of us slip into this mentality. What you got, preacher? Teach me something new. We come into church as, as little more than a motivational speaker. We go week after week to get pumped up. Hey, show me something new. And we see the vibrancy in the person that's speaking. This is really misguided. This is how it should work. As a pastor pours into the Word of God, comes, stands, opens the Word of God, and proclaims the Word of God, there's something special, there's something supernatural that occurs. It's the Holy Spirit working through the spoken word. As the Holy Spirit's working from the pulpit and working in the hearts and minds of those that came, it's like a God moment. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, boom! Something awesome that happened. But I think so often we we don't see that. We see, what are you going to teach me? What am I going to learn? And not how can I come with my heart broken and open to the Word of God. 
I think this happens uh, in our worship. We, we come and we say, I, I didn't like that song choice. I just didn't feel it. Instead of coming with a heart of worship. We come week after week with war wounds. Some of us are dealing with relationship issues. Some are dealing with sin that we've been trying desperately to avoid, but it keeps creeping back and back. We come in knowing we need hope, but with a heart attitude of entertain me. I wish we could just hold up signs and say, my church is awesome. Hold up signs and say, this is... This is my church. This is what it is. But it's more than that. If we want a vibrant church, if we want to be a part of a vibrant body, it demands vibrant members. To put it another way, if Big Woods Bible Church is full of vibrant members, it will be an unquenchable church. It will be a church on fire. People coming and saying, entertain me, but people... In the work, people that are vibrant themselves. So as we're studying this this book of Acts, and I just love this book, and and maybe some of you are wondering, hey, why are you up there? Pastor Tim's here. Uh, He was kind of gone this week. Again, that opportunity um, to kind of sit it out and uh, just kind of uh, sit here. and, And so... He's been working us through this book of Acts, and as we call it, the church in action. We look about, as Luke writes his second letter, he writes it to Theophilus, and what's the point? He's given a history or a layout of what the church did, the church in action. Acts 1.8 is kind of the central focus of that, and if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip open to Acts, because we'll be there, and we'll, be, we'll start out Acts one. Verse 8, just to kind of remind us of the central theme throughout the entire book of Acts. And then we'll dive into our text today. Acts 1.8. If you remember, Matthew kind of ended his book with the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded. Kind of our mission. All right, kind of what we're supposed to be doing. And then it says, how does this play out in our local church? Or what's the local church supposed to do? And that's seen in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in, witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so this is kind of the church playing out this mission throughout the entire rest of the book. Jerusalem and Judea is kind of covered. We're transitioning now. And, and we see that what makes a good church, a good church, a vibrant church, we know is a pure church. A good church is one that has transformed members, as we've seen in recent weeks, the transformation of the Apostle Paul. And now as we transition back to Peter, I think we can see that a vibrant church has vibrant members. Saying, cool, you outlined it, I get it, vibrant member, what does that look like? 
We're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the text that we have, because we're so glad you're asking those questions. That's what we're going to be addressing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I I thank you for your word. God, help us not to come in with the attitude of, give me something new, or it's all about me, me, me. God, help us to make it all about you, you, you. As we see from Genesis to Revelation, it is all about you. And God, allow us to, as we open up your word, see how we can be a vibrant part of what you're doing in this local church. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the fact that we can come in. And God, we're struggling, we're hurting, but yet you are our hope. You cover our weaknesses. And you allow us to get back in the race. God, I thank you for who you are. I just pray that you can be with us this morning. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. If your Bible is with you and you're already in Acts 1, you can just flip a few over a few chapters. We'll be in Acts 9. Acts 9, verse 32, is where we'll start. So we're saying, okay, where do we start? We want to be vibrant members. This is, this is the key. Okay, we want a vibrant church. We want a church. This is, this is unquenchable. How is that possible? We know it's possible by having vibrant members, but what does that look like practically? We're going to read this passage, then we're going to pick it apart. Look at verse 32. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came also down to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Just an FYI, both of them mean gazelle. One is Aramaic, one is Greek. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two of the men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when they arrived, they took him into an upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics, and garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And she gave her his hand and raised her up. Then, calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one salmon, a tanner. Number one way, number one attribute of a vibrant member is vibrant members are busy. Vibrant members are busy. If you want to be a vibrant member, you better be busy. Busyness kind of defines vibrant members. And so, before you say, boom, check, all right, uh, let me kind of define busyness. I don't mean soccer practice. I don't mean commuting from here to there. I don't mean working overtime. I don't mean ballet practice. Okay? That's not what we're talking about here. That's the type of busyness. That's not the busyness of a vibrant member. 
Look at verse 32. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. As Peter went here and there, okay, he, he's working, he, he's moving, he's going to them all. What all? The, the body of Christ, the saints. Saint is declared righteous, is, is a believer in Jesus Christ. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can put saint before your name. You can refer to me as Saint Nick if you want. Alright? And so it's, it's this, the opposite of sinner. We are still sinners, saved by grace. We still struggle with sin issues. But now we become saints. We become declared righteous because of what we have in Jesus Christ. And so he's going from church to church and he's going throughout all the land, ministering with them. He's busy doing ministry work. Look at verse 32 again, and it kind of says, Now as Peter went here and there among them all, okay? And it's kind of describing what he's doing, but if we kind of take that out, okay? Don't take out anything from Scripture, but if we kind of take out that sentence structure, we just said, Now he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. This didn't happen before. I mean, this, didn't, this isn't the first time this happened. This was a regular occurrence of what Peter's doing. He also came down to them. This is an ongoing type of thing. He was busy doing the work of ministry. But yet, he still made time for the individuals. And I love that, and we'll talk about that in the next points. So what does that look like? What does it look like for us to be busy doing church work? First, I think we've got to realize the importance my brother is kind of a first or second grader. Uh, we're about, uh, between me and my youngest brother, we're about eight years apart. And so he's first and second grader. I'm in high school, and my dad's coaching his little ASO soccer team, A-Y-S-O, all right? And, and they got a bunch of first and second graders, and they're, they're just having fun. So I get to be a part of this coaching process. I get to be going to practices and helping out. And, and it, was, it was like a dream come true, you know. Boss my little brother around. So my dad would work every Saturday. Uh, Saturdays every now and then, not everyone, but every now and then he'd have to go in on a Saturday. And so I would get the opportunity to coach myself. Uh, so here I am, freshman, freshman, sophomore in high school. I don't remember, but I get I get to coach this this little team of first and second graders. And the game starts. It was one of these Saturdays. The game starts, and it, it's going well, and they're working together as a team. And I'm like, yes, nailed it, you know, coach of the year, you know. The, the sign's going off in my head. I'm like, trophy, you know. And and so th- this is what's happening. And and they're all working. They're passing the ball great. And then all of a sudden, one of the, one of the little first graders starts running the other way. Now, he didn't have the ball, so it's not that big of a deal. All right, but he started running the other way, and I'm like, you know, kind of just walking alongside. Hey, you know, the game's over there, buddy. And really not listening to me, actually started off sprinting. So they got a little first grader sprinting in the wrong direction and goes over to a tree and starts climbing it. <laughs> we don't have any subs, so here we are, one man down. we got most of our team, the other guy's... In the tree, and I'm like, there goes the fuzzy feelings, you know. Uh, great coach. It's silly, and we may say kids will be kids, but the 
truth is we do this in the local church. We have, it's a team sport. We're all members of one body, and yet we have some people hanging out in the tree. Turn with me a second to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting verse 14. Many of you probably know this passage before. If you don't, I, I encourage you, jot this one down, highlight it, put a big box around it, say, return here. Okay, this is, this is kind of a go-to. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts yet one body. How can we be a vibrant church and say we are one body, one member, if the eyes are hanging out in the tree? If the feet are hanging out in the tree, every member needs to be a vibrant member. And to be that, we need to be busy. What does your busyness consist of? Are you making priorities out of things that don't matter eternally? How can you reschedule your life to prioritize things that you know are most important? Here's the thing. We know this. We, We come in and say, teach me something new, but the problem is we're not applying what we already know. And so we know that Christ is central. We know that local church is important. But are we doing the work that needs to be done? What might you miss out on? You're saying, I'm going to be busy for God things. I'm going to be busy for eternal things. What might you miss out on? And is it worth the cost? Think of things even even mentioned earlier of VBS coming up. We have giftedness in this body, vibrant members that need to be used. VBS is coming up. We have members in this body that are gifted with their hands. They're able to do awesome work, and we have a work day coming up. Are we busy? Secondly, vibrant members are available and willing. Availability and willingness kind of define the vibrant member. Vibrant members are available and they're willing. Look at verse 38. Since little was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. 
So Peter rose and went with them. When he arrived, they took him to the upper room. This isn't Peter sitting on the porch. This is Peter busy doing the work of ministry. They say, Peter, something's going on. He gets up and goes. He was busy with public ministry, yet he made time for private, personal ministry. Here's the thing. He went into a situation that was tough. He went into a visitation service with things expectations, hopes placed on him. He's out preaching the word, doing, doing ministry, and yet they say, hey, come into this tough spot. Come into this hard avenue of ministry. And he says, okay, there. Even despite his busyness, he was still available and willing for those concerns. As I was thinking about this, I'm thinking, how, how do we... How do we understand this or how does this practically play out you know I was struggling over this this week and Friday it was pouring out and so I'm like hey Ashley what do you want to do and, and we decided to do Pizza Hut for dinner I don't know how many of you had the same thought but that place was packed All right, Pizza Hut and Mill Hall was a crazy house Friday night and so I order online because that's what I do, okay? My age group kind of like, we're completely digital. So I order online, so I have no idea about the weight of the phones or anything. They say, hey, it's going to be ready at this time, like 20 minutes, not bad. So I, I drive down there. And I get there, the, the parking lot's completely full. I mean, this place is packed. they got cars wrapped around the place. I go in there, and it's just people everywhere thinking, thank you, God, that I am not claustrophobic because I'd be in a panic attack right now. But there's just a mad mash of bodies. Okay, and I'm thinking, where's, where's the end of the line? Where's it start? Everybody's there for pickup, so it's not like some people are just going through. And, and I see these workers. Okay, the workers at Pizza Hut, and they're answering phones like crazy, even a two-step commute. Okay, they're answering phones and then they have to go back to do something. Even those two steps is a full-out sprint. It's, they're overwhelmed. They're busy. But yet they made time for me, the customer. See, the business has this down. Sure, the heart motivation may not be right, but they have this down. They're busy, but yet they make time for the individual. And you may say... This may be your your thought coming through. Of course they they did. You're the reason they're working in the first place. They have to make time for you. Let me repeat this again. Of course they made time for you. After all, you're the reason they are working in the first place. They have to make time for you. Isn't that us? We're saved and motivated by God's grace and given the Holy Spirit to enable us both be witnesses and make disciples, and yet we forget our mission. We get busy preparing Sunday school lessons or putting opportunities of of public ministry and yet neglect our key ministry opportunities. 
it would be dumb for them to neglect me as a customer because I'm a vital part of what they're trying to accomplish. Don't be the employee that is so focused on the phones that they forget the people right in front of them. How many of you are truly available and willing? As we talk about going to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth, if God placed in your heart today a desire for the people of Africa, pack up and go. Would you go or would you just rationalize it away? I'm busy here. What about this? How many times do you lose your ministry at home because you're sitting on the couch and not even willing to get up and take out the trash? As a kingdom man. Make this week about being available and willing. Get together as a family and make a commitment to your home group members. To do ministry with the neighbors. And not just say it, but live it out. And maybe at this point you're saying, okay, I've got to be busy, but I've got to be available and willing. This is a lot. This is a lot on my plate. And I'm already busy with other things. And I have to restructure. And how is this possible? I just can't do it. Truth is, neither could Peter. Look at verse 34. And Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise your bed. Rise and make your bed. Jesus Christ heals you. Peter doesn't say something super Christ-like here, like your sins are forgiven, or even take off the first section and say, hey, get up. No, he says, Jesus Christ heals you. Thirdly, vibrant members are fully aware of their power source. Vibrant members are fully aware of their power source. If you're a vibrant member, you know where your power comes from. How is it possible, is my thought going through this, that Peter can keep giving himself over and over and yet be willing to once again get up and go to another place? It is because he was living in the power of the cross. Let me paint a picture for you here. Because we kind of rushed through this to begin with, but I really want to paint the emotional aspect of, of this. Verse 38. Since little was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him into the upper room. Listen to this. And the widows, widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. I don't think Peter rushed in there in typical Peter fashion. Peter's going, picture a a visitation, open casket type of, of, of scenario. And he's going and there's expectations on him. He goes in and there's these women, there's these, these people that Dorcas of Tabitha was ministering to. 
And they're, they're saying, this woman was so good. You know, a lot of times, that's the default for funerals, is that they're so good, but this is what categorized Tabitha. She was a believer in Jesus Christ. Good works, it says, that she was full of. It has the preface of good before works. That's important. Look to Ephesians 2.10 a second, and, and we'll... We'll express why that is that is so important. Ephesians two, eight through ten. A lot of us know these. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that many enemy man should boast. We're like works automatically get a negative connotation because of this verse. If you look negative, but then look what it says. Verse ten. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus beforehand. Four good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Same Greek wording in good works there as it is with Tabitha. You see, what she was doing wasn't even in her own power. It was her working through what Christ had been given her. It also refers to her as a disciple. The only time in the New Testament where the feminine version of disciple is listed. This is a godly woman. And she's doing works for these widows, for these elderly. Peter comes in and they say, look at her. It's a middle voice in the Greek which probably implies that they're wearing the clothes. And they're saying, look at what she made. She did this for us. They're sobbing and pointing to their clothes. It reminds me of even a visitation service and holding a picture and saying, this is who they are, this is what we did with them. And, and these women are just crying out saying, she did all, she dedicated her life to serve us. And yet she's gone. Now Peter did something very special here. It doesn't say this in the passage, but I think this is kind of what he said is, don't worry about this. Go, go wait outside. It, it will be taken care of. It would have been very easy for him to say, hey, ladies, stay here. Check this out. But he doesn't do that because he knows if he does that, their, their heart reaction would be misdirected. They're vulnerable, they're, they're hurting, and, and Peter notices that and has sympathy and says, go wait outside. And he kneels down and says, Tabitha, arise. This whole passage is not just Peter, hey, we need to model our life after Peter. It's literally Peter modeling his life after Christ in the church age, and now we get to model after that. Tabitha arise is one letter different than little child arise when Jesus healed the little girl. I don't think that's a coincidence. He could have used her Greek name, but he used her Aramaic name. Talitha arise is what Jesus said. Tabitha arise is what Peter said. Is Peter using his giftedness, using what he's been given to glorify the God that's empowering him.
as uh, just to go back to Michigan again. I, I, I'm there and I'm interning. I get the typical intern type duties. And so I'm changing the light bulbs in the sanctuary. And we got this boom lift, this lift. You guys got a little cage around it. And I got the baby maxed out. We're at the top of the ceiling. And I'm changing these uh, halogen-type light bulbs. And it's like if you move one inch, you, you sway a mile. So I'm terrified up there. And I, you can't really touch the light bulb itself because they say if you touch it, then it oils your finger and make the light explode or something. So I'm, I'm like wrapping it in something else and trying to put it up there. And my biggest fear is when I plug this light bulb in, it's going to shine. I'm, I'm going to jerk and I'm just going to, this is, this is going to be my death right here. I mean, I'm going to die because I'm putting in a light bulb at the church. What a way to go. Okay. We have a, a huge light board. So I'm like, I don't know which buttons are pressed and it, it, it could happen. The truth is it wouldn't be the light's fault because We've all probably experienced this, especially with the little lamps. You got the clicks. Is it one click? Is it two click? If I screw this in, what's going to happen? And it lights up and it kind of shocks us. Because that's what it's wired to do. You see, Peter was wired to heal. He was wired to raise from the dead. We know that in Matthew 10, 8, when Jesus sent him out in the first place. These are certain giftedness that you're allowed. This is how you're wired. Peter doesn't say, check out the wires. He says, look at the one that shines through them. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the giftedness. It's about the one that empowers me. And each one of us is wired with with certain gifts, certain abilities. And are we allowing Christ to shine through them? Are we just kind of pointing to our own wires and depending on those wires? It's never what they're meant to do. You see in Philippians 4.13, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's His power. And in that context, it's, Jesus, it's, it's, it's Paul saying, I can, I can even die. I can do anything for the sake of Christ. Luke one thirty seven. for with God, nothing is impossible. Whose glory are you seeking by your ministry involvement? Do you put too much hope in your own gifts and abilities? And have you... And have your ministry point to you and not the one that is supposed to be shining through you? Do you have the confidence in your Savior to be the ultimate power source? Finally, fourthly, vibrant members are fully aware of the gospel overshadowing differences and efficiencies. Vibrant members are fully aware of the gospel overshadowing differences and deficiencies. If you're a visitor today, I hope when you look around, you see a people that's pursuing holiness. But I also hope that when you look around, you see people that realize they're not there yet. Not people that are stuck up, not people that are self-righteous and saying, I got this all together. But people that are humble enough to admit that they're not there yet but wanting to grow to be more and more like Jesus Christ.
not because we think that the good is out, going to outdo the bad. Because somehow we're going to have more in this column than that column. But because we're in love with the God who saved us while we were yet sinners. Maybe this is you today. Maybe God has been working in your heart and you're aware that you have sinned. You're aware that God is holy and without sin and you acknowledge that you cannot live up to that. When you look at Scripture, you say, I'm so far off, I have so many mistakes, I've ruined marriages, my life is defined by dishonesty. I'm desperately trying to undo all the wrong in my life. Maybe then I will be worthy of God. Can I be completely honest with you? It won't be enough. It can never be enough. God is completely holy and without sin. Any sin is enough sin. There's no covering up the permanent stains of sin. You are without hope. Except for Christ. He took that sin on Him. Yes, your sin, the the, the dirt, the filth, the things that are eating you up, He took that on Himself. He covered it. He paid for it by dying on the cross. You can turn from your life of sin to a life in Christ. Is, is He calling you today? Is He working at your heart today? Maybe you've come to this church before. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you are a member. Yet you've never fully turned your life over to Jesus Christ. Do that today because that's where the power comes from. That is what covers up the deficiencies. That's what fills in the differences Maybe you're thinking, I want to get busy and I want to get involved, but I'm too much of a mess myself. First off, praise the Lord that you see yourself for who you are. (laughs) I mean, in all reality, we all have messed up. We all have fallen short. But through Christ, we're more than conquerors. He uses us despite our weakness. Remember where your power is coming from. Second, realize that you've been declared righteous before God. Constantly live in the grace of God. Maybe you think you have it all together and you're thinking, preach it to the other people. Here's my question to you. Are you trying to do it in your own power? Are you saying, hey, preach to the other people. I need a break. Whose power are you living in? And what sin issues do you need to work out? The grace of Christ and the power of the gospel enables us to serve alongside those with differences. Real quick, verse 43, he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Sam and a tanner. Super easy to skip over that passage. Boom, go to the next verse. But it's important. The Word of God inspired. And tanner there is, is seen as an unclean profession. First century Jewish culture would not associate with a tanner, yet... Paul goes, or Peter goes and stays with him. Why? Because the gospel overshadows differences. Are there going to be people that you do ministry? Are there going to be people here in Big Woods Bible Church that you don't get along with? Maybe. But the cool thing about the local church is that even with the differences, there's unity. And that speaks to the one that unifies 
because that unifier must be so important to call together such a diverse group of people. I'm so thankful for the cross. I am so thankful for the fact that I do not have to do it on my own. I have the power shining through me. I have a God that can pick me up despite my weaknesses and use me. And He's the same God that came to save you, a sinner. If you've placed your faith and hope in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have that power. You have the gospel that overshadows. And today, we're going to remember exactly what that is. As we celebrate the communion table, it was a command to follow this in remembrance of the cross. The cross isn't just something that we do and get saved and now we kind of move on from there to the next steps. It's something that empowers every step of our life. We should be in constant remembrance of it, but there's specific times for us to have a more formal remembrance, and that's today. So as we partake of these elements, I want to be very clear that these are not, as, as some would say, the actual blood and body of Jesus Christ. These are symbols pointing to what Jesus did. These are calling us to remember our salvation. So if I could have the elders come up as we grab these elements. We have the the body and the blood of Jesus.